Well, thank you so much, Jules, for joining me today. Really excited to, to talk about everything you and BEFC have created and I guess are trying to create in a really massive space that's uh, taking off globally. Obviously, everything we, we use needs some sort of battery, whether small or large. And it looks like what you and team are up to are some breakthroughs that are going to bring, I think, uh, sustainability into into the sector, which it, which is much needed as it continues to scale and continues to, to get implemented across the world and basically every device. Before we get into what BEFC is and what it does and sort of its mission and vision, talk a little bit about your journey and what was the sort of light bulb moment or, or what brought you to actually uh, start BEFC? What was that journey like? Thank you, Grant. Um, my personal background is uh, electronic engineering. So I studied a bachelor's and master's uh, before then doing a PhD in bioelectrochemistry. And uh, after my PhD, I decided to return to my birth city in Grenoble in the Alps. Uh, surrounded by the mountains, to join a nice. research group in plantable biofuel cells. Um, when I joined this research group, the vision was to, to power things like pacemakers and insulin pumps uh, with the power of the body. And we were using enzymes to harvest the, the energy from glucose, type of sugar and oxygen to create electricity to power these implantable um, devices. But when I just joined the, the team, I realized that the, there's probably a missing opportunity to market and to sell implantable devices is incredibly complicated and expensive. And I wondered if we could use the same technology to power small portable devices. Right. Um, and it was at this point that with, with some other academics, we decided to, to try to power a digital pregnancy test. Um, in fact, the, the brand well-known is, is Clear Blue. And we replaced the two alkaline batteries with our paper biofuel cell technology. And once this is, uh, has been demonstrated, it was very obvious to me that there were a huge number of opportunities in, in uh, single-use medical tests, but also in, in a range of other markets, such as wearables for sport, uh, luxury packaging with augmented technologies, right. uh, logistics tracking, etc. Um, so that was really the birth of BFC. And the company was founded in, in May 2020. So we're now two and a half years old. And we're, we're on a mission to provide low-cost but also low environmental impact electronic solutions. Amazing. And touched on some of the industries, but how does it how does it actually work for a, you know, let's say like a, a wearable versus when you started with the, you know, let's say like a pacemaker, it was using sort of, you said enzymes from glucose, but how does it work now for like, just take an example of a, of a wearable? How does the technology like actually work? What does it do to actually create enough energy to actually power the device? Sure. So previously when the device was implanted, we were taking the glucose or the sugar from the bloodstream, as well as the, the oxygen that was dissolved in the blood. Now, once we've transferred this to, to a piece of paper, uh, we're actually using the oxygen from the air, and then we're using glucose that's stored inside the paper. Um, gotcha. And the device still needs to be activated with a drop of liquid. Uh, of course, when it's implanted, the, the liquid is there. But now uh, we use either biological fluids. So with the pregnancy test, we were using the urine to activate the, the fuel cell. Yeah. Uh, but for a wearable sports device, you could use the sweat mm. to activate. And then for other markets like logistics tracking, you know, you don't want to go and find a drop of liquid. So we've, we've patented and developed a, a liquid reservoir or a blister. So just like you have the paracetamol, ibuprofen, you have this small uh, blister packaging. Uh, we've developed a solution where when you pop this blister, it releases liquid into the fuel cell, activating the device, and then the device starts producing electricity. How long would, 
would you say the battery would work for? You know, is it for single use, multiple use, and then it's you know you kind of gauge of when it's sort of dying, and then just replace it with a with another paper battery. BFC is really focused on short term use cases. Um, so ideally for us, it's maybe a few days. Uh, we can achieve longer durations. But then we have to really think about how we use the energy stored in this piece of paper. Right. Um, an example here could be logistics tracking. If you want to track for two weeks, um, you have to be very careful how many measurements you take and maybe how many wireless messages you send to make sure that you can achieve that lifetime. Um, but today, BFC is, is really focused on, on the single-use disposable solutions. So those single-use tests, such as digital pregnancy, ovulation, or biomarker tests, or it could be a smart wearable that's measuring shock, uh, measuring body gotcha. temperature uh, quasi-continuously. So maybe measuring every five or 10 minutes and then sending the data to a mobile phone or a tablet more periodic, more periodically. When you looked at the industry, single sort of use case, I mean, just pregnancy test alone, right? Before, you know, BEFC created a paper battery, I guess, I don't know if you can give facts or figures or statistics of, you know, how many of these things a year just going to, you know, end up in, in the landfill or, or, or the ocean. And, you know, there's maybe some toxic toxic materials within these, you know, small batteries that sort of just sit there and, and get through the supply chain as sort of they decay over time. What was the sector and environment like before you guys came along and produced something that is much more sustainable and climate friendly? The, the current estimate is around 15 billion primary batteries disposed of each year. So it's a huge number. You know, on a daily basis, it's estimated around 78 million batteries per day. Let's see how big this problem is. And uh, 97% of miniature batteries end up either in landfill or are incinerated. So the incineration comes from predominantly medical devices where they may be mm -hmm. contaminated with right. blood, urine, etc. And for safety reasons, uh, the, the preferred mechanism is to incinerate them. Why does this happen? Well, the first thing is that to collect, to process and sort, and then to recycle all of these miniature batteries is really complicated, expensive, and in fact, unecological. When you factor in all of the transportation costs, the energy required to try to extract such tiny quantities of uh, right. valuable material. And this is why landfill and incineration is the, the current current situation. But today it doesn't need to be that. You know, with BFC we can start to replace some of these miniature batteries with our technology and, and reduce that environmental impact. Do you recycle BFC batteries or do they sort of biodegrade over time so you don't have to burn them? Or even if they sit in a landfill, it's only for a short period of time? Yeah, it, it can be both. Um, we, we have some customers that, you know, for instance, if it's attached to cardboard or, or paper packaging, mm -hmm. uh, are interested in recycling it. Um, and then, then there are some other customers that it, it's just not in the recycling stream uh, in terms of the, the mechanisms to try to recycle a piece of paper when it's attached to glass or plastic. In, in, in this case, we're just looking at trying to um, biodegrade or compost. So in fact, um, we have done composting trials and we, we've demonstrated that in industrial compost, uh, after 45 days, we lose more than 50% of the mass of our technology. So it's really just trying to reduce the environmental impact. If you can recycle it, it's great, but the the, the quantity of paper and carbon that we use is so small. Mm -hmm. 
and if you recycle it, it really has a minor effect. The, the reality is that we're just trying to reduce the, the challenge in, in disposal. So today, right. if you have a um, product that includes a battery, uh, the, ba- the battery creates a huge risk, not only for a fire, in the recycling chain if, if the, the battery is short-circuited, uh, but it also creates a toxic risk. So often the batteries can be filled with um, electrolytes or, or liquids that can be corrosive, they can be damaging to aquatic life or, or can, can be very dangerous even to humans. I mean, it's quite well known that uh, miniature batteries pose a, a severe risk to, to young babies that can swallow them. So we're just trying to remove that, that challenge of the battery being part of the, the product that needs to be recycled. What does R&D look like just from a time perspective when you first sort of had the idea of, of going into this sector, you know, to product development, to actually, you know, having, you know, having customers, you know, purchase sure. them? What does that R&D timeline look like? So it's probably important for me to preface that BFC is built on a foundation of decades of pioneering research. You know, we've, we've been the world leaders in implantable fuel cells and, and uh, enzyme uh, sensing for, for quite some years, and I was very fortunate to, to join this research group. Um, I think the major thing for BFC has been, uh, since our creation, we focus really heavily on, on the economic part of, of the business model. In today's world, there's a huge increase in the cost of uh, metals and materials used to produce batteries. But what we focused on is selecting enzymes that could be produced at very large scale, could provide a low cost uh, opportunity for BFC to provide an energy. And actually, it was our co-founder and uh, product manager, Dr. Marie Bertuel, who really uh, worked on this heavily and, and changed the game for us by using enzymes that are used, for instance, in the food and beverage markets. We can achieve a price point that allows us to compete with traditional alkaline batteries. And this was really a key part of our success. Now we're really focused on on mass production. So this means uh, taking the traditional materials that we used of, of carbon paper and, and cellulose paper and transforming it to a printed process. By doing this, we can move from producing a thousand units per day to producing, uh, we hope, one million units per day. Wow. And that's really key for us to addressing this this huge problem. Going back to industry real quick, what do you say, what would you say are the biggest consumers of the product right now? Would it be sort of healthcare medical versus, you know, wearables and sort of other IoT devices? Would you say healthcare is number one or is it something else? I would say that the biggest traction we have is is probably in logistics. Uh, so tracking high value assets, uh, be it a pallet of, of mm. electronics, be it a gotcha. box of, of luxury clothing. And part of this reason is, is because uh, the regulatory aspect is much um, lower in terms of barriers to entry than a medical device. However, I would say that the actual interest from the the medical sector is is probably larger. And I would say in the last few years, we've seen a huge shift towards uh, patient-centric or even wearable uh, technologies. And I, I think this will grow significantly in time. And once we start to deploy examples of BFC technology powering wearable patches, um, I think this could become a, a much larger market for BFC. For logistics, healthcare, let's say, does the battery function sort of, is it the same battery or is it slight changes based on industry specific things? That's, that's a really good question. So in, in fact, um, we can adjust 
the materials that we use, the shape and size of our fuel cell to meet different market sectors, but not just different market sectors, different use cases. Mm -hmm. So depending on the types of sensors and depending on the types of wireless communication that we use, we can adjust the the BFC technology or solution to meet those requirements. There are some examples where the the product may need to uh, operate in harsh environments, whereby we may change the the exterior layer, the exterior paper of the the BFC um, to be more robust. Maybe it needs to be submerged in in a liquid. It may have to be slightly oil resistant. Mm -hmm. We might look to adjust the paper properties um, to to resist. When you talk to to industries and you know, customers in general who are, who are buying at, at scale, you know, it sounds amazing, right? And almost too good to be true for them. I guess, what are some of the questions that they ask around, you know, there's obviously many pros, right? But with there's cons with sort of everything. Like, I guess, what are some of the questions that they might have a little bit of hesitation with before, you know, implementing this into their, you know, entire business supply chain? Sure. So one of them, I would say, is the the lifetime. You know, there mm-hmm. are batteries on the market, alkaline batteries that can last five, even ten years. Um, we we're definitely nowhere near near there. So we're definitely not a, a silver bullet or a, a perfect solution for all use cases. Um, the next one is um, the thermal aspect, the temperature. Um, now the biofuel cell uses enzymes, and enzymes are really good at working at body temperature uh, for for obvious reasons. But unfortunately, once you increase the temperature, you reach a certain point where the enzymes Mm -hmm. take nature. I mean, you see this from proteins when you cook an egg. So, you know, we are limited to the maximum temperature that the the biofuel cell can operate in. Um, On top of that, uh, you then have thermal cycling. So this is where you go into high temperature, low temperature, high temperature, low temperature. And here, this puts stress on the enzymes. The, The enzyme has to constantly change its, its shape or it does change its shape in response to the temperature change. Um, and eventually the enzyme loses its uh, conformational state or its, its its shape. And this means it can stop reacting with the glucose or oxygen. And then slowly the biofuel cell will stop, to stop operating. So uh, this is also a, a practical limitation that we have to consider. Now, for most logistics use cases, this is not an issue. For most wearable devices, the, the, the device should be close to body temperature. And for single-use medical tests, often these medical tests are based on enzyme technologies as well. So, you know, we're fairly safe. Um, what, we can't, what we can't imagine is our technology being used, you know, in extreme outdoor environments for long periods of time. Sure, sure. When you talk about, you know, the scale to go from, you know, a thousand to a million a day, that's going to take, does that just take funding? Is there a demand for it already at that scale? Or do you need funding to sort of get to the ability to like go out in the market and say, hey, we can produce this now? Does that, I guess, how does funding play in this in this role to, to scale to that million a day? Funding is a huge aspect. Um, the, the thing is, is the, the processes that you, you use at small scale versus large scale, they're just not the same. And what it mm-hmm. means is you, you need new equipment, new machinery, and there needs to be a testing phase and a, a process development. Um, unfortunately, it's quite hard to allow someone to um, uh, lend you such a machine. Often you have to buy the machine. You may not have the, the perfect process to start, a, start off. It may take you six months, 12 months to develop that process. And this is really where venture capital, VC funding comes in. Um, where 
the VC world, they, they see an opportunity, they see the upside potential, and they're willing to take the risk to fund that equipment, the machinery and the, the process development time to allow you to get there. But no, you're right, funding is an incredibly important part of uh, deep tech. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the machines are, are they essentially custom made? Is that why you kind of have to to purchase them? Um, so the, the machines are standard in one sense that you, you buy a kind of uh, a large chassis. And then what you have to do is you have to fit modules. And these modules may mm-hmm. perform different functions. So it could be uh, cutting, it could be uh, a certain type of printing, uh, a certain type of assembly. And you, you have to put all of these modules together. Now, individually, each module or each technology is fairly standard. But when you chain them together, mm-hmm. you have to work on those interfaces. Um, and this is what, what takes the, the time and money. Is 3D printing, is this, is this 3D printing capabilities? For this eventually does the machine do that or is that just too far down the so we, we don't actually use so much 3d printing uh, but we use uh, kind of uh, what we call rotary screen printing and flexographic printing uh, these are much faster now we don't need very thick or complicated um, shapes or, or layers in the biofuel cell um, so 3d printing is, is super interesting i don't want to detract from that um, sure. but for our application the throughput that we need uh, 3d printing is just today not a not a solution we, we're looking at printing meters per minute whereas on, on 3d printing uh you know you you just can't get to that throughput yeah yeah well i'll end here in a little bit uh about the future you know i know it's you guys are probably learning the new stuff every single day and the market is is, is changing every day and you know there's there's just new industries even popping up every day right but when you look at you know the future of BFC and, and sort of the goals it wants to accomplish in, let's say, the next, you know, three to five years and maybe even a decade out if you want to go that far, because then this is sort of a long-term perspective. I guess, what are some of the successes you and the team would like to achieve in that time period? Um, I think that the first thing is to, to see our product um, industrialized in the sense of hitting that 1 million units per day capacity. And then I think that we can go a step further from just the organic energy solution, our paper fuel cell. I think uh, we're already working on printed circuits, uh, printed electronics. And I, I think in the next few years, we will see this being incorporated into products. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next step after that is for BFC to, to provide our own products. So instead of us developing, uh, yeah. assisting the development with our customers, it's actually for BFC to identify where the, the main interest is on the market and then to provide a, a singular solution for this um, so that we can provide that low cost and low envir- environmental impact. Amazing, my man. Thank you so much for, for taking the time and you know, best of luck to you and the team in this, this endeavor. I know it's a incredible lift and you know incredible hard work and research that goes into you know creating something like this for for the global global environment and and the scale of all these industries as as sort of the world moves completely you know digital but also global and trying to adjust for for climate and sustainability into into all this so uh best of luck to to you and the team for the next decade thanks for taking the time thank you thank you very much